Welcome to You News, the podcast, using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Tuesday, October 29th. I'm Aranza Loizaga. These are today's headlines. A major fire in Los Angeles now growing. 20,000 people are under evacuation orders in California's largest city, even celebrities having to flee their homes. On Capitol Hill, the impeachment investigation continues. A new witness expected to confirm previous testimony today about his concerns about the president's actions regarding Ukraine. And the Trump administration announces plans to return asylum seekers to Guatemala in a controversial agreement to get Central American nations to absorb more immigrants. This and much more today on U News, recorded live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin in Washington with the impeachment inquiry. As Democrats prepare to vote to take their investigation public, today a top national security official is testifying on Capitol Hill, delivering what could be the most damaging testimony yet. The decorated Iraq war veteran heard the president's controversial phone call with Ukraine's leader, and he says he reported his concerns to a White House lawyer not once, but twice. Lorraine Cáceres explains. It is yet another crucial testimony in the impeachment inquiry. Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, the National Security Council's top Ukraine expert, arriving at Capitol Hill Tuesday. And this would be uh, the first White House official um, who would actually be defying the White House's orders not to cooperate. He is also the only person to testify so far who actually listened in on the July 25th call between the president and Ukraine's leader. According to sources troubled by what he heard, he reported his concerns to the National Security Council's lead attorney. The president tweeting early Tuesday, supposedly according to the corrupt media, the Ukraine call concerned today's never-Trumper witness. Was he on the same call that I was? Can't be possible. Please ask him to read the transcript script of the call, witch hunt. In his opening statement obtained by CNN, Vindman says he reported his concerns out of a quote sense of duty, adding, I am a patriot and it is my sacred duty and honor to advance and defend our country, irrespective of party or politics. According to Vindman, in a July 10th meeting with Ukrainian officials, Gordon Sondland, the ambassador to the EU, pushed Ukraine on delivering specific investigations to secure a meeting with Trump, an allegation the Ukraine ambassador Bill Taylor also testified to. After the meeting, Vindman told Sondland his statements were inappropriate and that the request to investigate Biden and his son had nothing to do with national security and that such investigations were not something the NSC was going to get involved in or push. But in his testimony, Sondland said nobody ever advised him, quote, of any misgivings about the propriety of what we were doing. They never shared those misgivings with me then or later. Fox News attempting to discredit Vindman, pointing to his Ukrainian background, questioning his alliances. Colonel Vindman emigrated from Ukraine along with his family when he was a child and is fluent in Ukrainian and Russian, Ukrainian officials sought advice from him about how to deal with Mr. Giuliani, though they typically communicated in English. I find that 
astounding and you know some people might call that espionage meanwhile nancy pelosi has announced a vote thursday to formalize the procedures of the impeachment inquiry a non-required formality to satisfy republican demands on the same day judge richard leon will hear arguments related to the lawsuit filed by impeachment witness charles kupperman who failed to show up for his deposition saying the executive and legislative branches were giving him contradicting instructions asking the courts for legal clarity on how to comply. We're also learning that Democrats are seeking testimony for, for from the first uh, current West Wing official. Robert Blair is an assistant to the president and senior advisor to White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney. The committees are reportedly in talks for Blair to testify. Meanwhile, Democrats are trying to finish the inquiry process by the end of the year, although there is no set timeline. The goal is to hold public hearings before Thanksgiving and have a final vote in December. Aranza, back to you. Lorraine, thank you very much for this report. Now to the new details on the raid that took down ISIS leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the other terrorists captured, and the intelligence uncovered during the U.S. Special Forces raid in Syria. All the remains of Baghdadi's secret hideaway, a pile of rubble. U.S. cruise missiles and drones launched hellfire, leveling the structure after the Army's elite Delta Force raid left the ISIS leader dead. He was a sick and depraved man, and now he's dead. He's dead. He's dead as a doornail. And he didn't die bravely either, I will tell you that. Baghdadi, cornered by the commandos in an underground tunnel, detonated his suicide vest, killing himself and three children. President Trump claiming Baghdadi was whimpering and crying in the tunnel, even though that was not seen in the Situation Room, where a national security team watched live feeds on the raid with the president. I know the president had planned to talk down to the unit and, and unit members. Uh, but I, I don't know what the source of that was there, but I assume it was talking directly to unit and unit members. So you, don't have, you haven't talked to any unit members who've described that to you? I have not talked to unit members, no, that's correct. Baghdadi's remains are now at sea buried, said Terman Mealy, appropriately, after positive DNA identification. But the Delta Force also managed to pull intelligence from the rubble during the two hours on site and prisoners. There were two uh, adult males taken off the objective, alive, and they're in our custody. Men that could provide vital information about the future of ISIS, now that the leader is dead. Hours after the raid that killed Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi in northwestern Syria, another attack based on Kurdish intelligence killed one of his aides and possible successors. President Trump announced via Twitter, quote, Abu Hassan al-Muhajir, Baghdadi's number one replacement, has been terminated by American troops. Now let's go with Salvador Duran. He is in Hillsburg, Northern California, where the Kincaid fire rages on. More than 73,000 acres and 57 homes destroyed so far. So, Salvador, what's the situation like at this moment? So we're coming to you today from Northern California one more time. We are expecting a wind event to take place this afternoon here in the Sonoma County area. With me is um, Captain Joe Amador. He's going to talk to us a little bit about what we're expecting today. And as we talk about what's happening, I'm going to ask a photographer to also show exactly where we are. Sure. 
Sure. We're today. Uh, the fire has consumed 75,000 acres. We're at 15% containment, and we're hoping for the best. Last night, the winds calmed down, so allowed us to make a little bit of uh, headway and get in front of the fire. Today, unfortunately, we're expecting more winds, mm-hmm. and so as with winds, they're very unpredictable. So we're hoping that uh, that we can keep the damages to a minimum. But we're expecting the worst, mm-hmm. uh, and and hoping for the best. And and just want the public to know we're here to, to do our very best. And when you're talking about the worst, you're talking about what happened at this winery right here. Um, what, are, what are we looking at here? Can you tell us a little bit about this? Please? Well, as with any wind-driven fire, we have a lot of embers that are often being carried large amount of distances away from the main fire. This, unfortunately, is a property, a very historic winery here in the area that uh, that suffered, you know, burns and uh, total destruction because of those embers that flew, you know, up to two or three miles away from the main body of the fire. Mm-hmm. And so um, this was what indicative of what happened with wind-driven fires and the area is what happens, as you can see, the damages that are going on. And finally, can you talk to us a little bit about the f- latest numbers that we have as far as evacuees and and um, how much territory has burned down. Sure. Uh, like I said, it's uh, you know 75,000 acres and only mm-hmm. 15% contained. Mm-hmm. Uh, last uh, report, there was a, an, 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 an excess of 200,000 people who have been displaced or evacuated. Uh, large par- portion of the area, Sonoma County and other surrounding counties also, you know, they're under evacuation orders and or warning. So, mm-hmm. we want you know, we know it's a difficult for the people not to get back into their homes, but we're doing the very best, mm-hmm. and uh, we really appreciate everyone's patience and kindness and, and letting us do our job. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what can we expect for the next few days? Again, with the winds being so unpredictable, we're gonna we have crews in place right now. We're trying to strengthen all of our containment lines. Uh, we're trying to do uh, defensible spaces. We're trying to uh, you know put crews in structures so that we can protect those structures uh, and we can uh, you know uh, just prepare for these winds that are coming up today. Uh, reports are in excess of uh, 40 to 50 mile an hour winds in the higher elevations, and uh, as you know, those can cause some some damages. So we're, we're expecting we're expecting them, and we're, we're going to do the very best we can. Uh, Captain Amador, thank you so much for your time. Of course, we are going to remain on location to follow up on whatever happens tonight with uh, the uh, winds that we're expecting. Hopefully, we will not have a fire as bad as we've had it for the last few days, but we can never know. That's true. We're coming from um, Northern California. I'm Salvador Duran. Back to you in the studio. Thank you so much for this report, Salvador. Please take care and be well. Near the U.S.-Mexico border, officials making a major discovery. Border Patrol says this picture shows some of the 30 migrants discovered inside a semi in Arizona. The tractor-trailer was stopped at an immigration checkpoint near Amado Saturday night. According to officials, the driver and passenger are both U.S. citizens. They were arrested along with 30 migrants, including one minor. Border Patrol reports that the American citizens will be prosecuted for human smuggling and the others will be prosecuted for immigration violations. Meanwhile, the Trump administration is finalizing an agreement to begin sending asylum seekers from the U.S. border to Guatemala, implementing a plan agreed to by the two countries back in July. This means that migrants who made the dangerous journey to the U.S. can be turned back to Guatemala if they didn't request asylum there first. Janet Rodriguez has the details from Washington, D.C. 
this information comes from the Washington Post and seems to be news to the Guatemalan government at this hour. We have been talking to sources in the government of Guatemala who says that they are surprised to hear that the flights may start as soon as this week, that they have not received any notification from the U.S. government telling them that they will start deporting mostly Hondurans and Salvadorians from the U.S.-Mexico border, people that are seeking asylum right there, that they will start going back to Guatemala. This was an agreement that was made by the Guatemalan and the U.S. government back in July. However, uh, this agreement has not been ratified, we understand, by the Guatemalan Congress and the president of Guatemala has to go ahead and say, yes, we are going to take these immigrants and this hasn't happened at, until this moment. We have been talking to uh, people close to the president, people close to the immigration uh, officials down in Guatemala and they're telling us that they're not ready to receive these migrants. They are getting ready. They're doing all the processes necessary, but at this point they do not believe any flights will be coming to their country just yet. This is something new for us, or for them rather. They are used to having uh, undocumented immigrants go through their country on foot, but not receiving them by plane. We also know that Guatemala is going through a transition. They have a new president coming into power in January, and that president has said that uh, he does not agree with this agreement that the U.S. government has with the current Guatemalan government of sending these migrants back, and he may not uh, he may not make this agreement happen. However, we know that the White House is already saying that if Guatemala does not take these migrants as the agreement uh, has said, well, they may threaten to cut that financial aid that Guatemala receives from the U.S. government. On the other hand, we have not received confirmation from DHS this morning that those flights will indeed start happening this week. Back to you. And turning to Tucson, Arizona, Regina Romero made history as the first Latina elected to city council. Now, as Jani Aponte explains, she's trying to make history once again. Regina Romero, the Democratic candidate for mayor of Tucson, Arizona, hits the streets very early to knock on doors in search of the Latino vote. If she wins, she would be the first Hispanic to become mayor of this city. For 12 years, I was councilwoman of the city of Tucson. I have the experience. I know what we have done well, and I know the needs we still have to move forward. Regina was born in Yuma, Arizona and is the daughter of migrant parents. She worked with them in the field up to the age of 15. Then she continued her studies and graduated from the University of Arizona. Today, she has become one of the most respected Hispanic representatives in the city. I feel a responsibility to give the opportunity to people who come to work, to improve their lives, especially those who come fleeing violence. Among her priorities, if elected, is the creation of a program to help small businesses and also improvements in the transportation and the creation of an ID card that could be used by undocumented immigrants living in the city. I have worked hard for every resident, with or without documents, to feel safe. As mayor of Tucson, I'll continue to provide ideas to help make things more simple for migrants. She says she opposes the Trump administration's anti-immigrant rhetoric. She opposes the construction of a border wall and also local authorities when detaining an undocumented migrant to call immigration officials. I think Regina is the best candidate and many of my clients believe it too. All the people who know her want her to win. Reported by Oscar Gomez, this is Gianni Aponte for U News. Parents, beware. That's what a new study is telling adults who use certain baby reclining chairs. As Fabiola Galinda reports, according to the study, 
the right chair at the wrong angle could be fatal for infants. It's a new warning for parents who use reclining chairs for babies, which could be causing dozens of infant deaths. The Commission of Product Safety for Consumers published a study showing that any product or sleeping chair for babies with a 10-degree angle inclination is not safe. At least 73 deaths have been connected to these products, according to the agency. The mechanics of the chair, what appears to be, is that the chairs are not meant for children, for babies. They're too soft and it doesn't take into account that the head of the baby is heavier than the body. Dr. Hilda Roque says that these products are advertised as soft and comfy when what the baby needs is a firm surface. When they put the baby on this type of equipment to sleep, what happens is that it's too soft. When it's too soft, the body goes like that, the head tilts forward, the baby cannot breathe. Legislators in New York are trying to pass a law to prohibit these products. It first needs to pass a voting session, which means that mothers like Kimberly could end up buying the chairs without knowing the dangers. When the baby starts sitting up, they can turn, but you have to be vigilant. She used the chairs with her two-year-old daughter. I investigate and read the reviews to know what other people experienced. Legislators are also asking retailers to stop selling the product voluntarily. In New York, Fabiola Galindo, U News. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. Your news covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your news, your world, your news on Fusion. Welcome back to U News. Let's now go to Annabelle Sedano with today's step report, including news of a major writer company helping out with wildfire evacuations in California. Annabelle. Hi there, that's right. And we begin with this. Uber is offering free rides for people impacted by the wildfires here in California. The rideshare company says people can get two free rides, up to $20 each, to and from evacuation areas in Los Angeles and Sonoma counties. To request, enter the promo code CALFIRERELIEF19 in the payment section of your Uber Rider app. And there's a new candidate in California's 2022 gubernatorial election. Adriel Hampton is a political activist who says he wants to challenge Facebook policy, which allows politicians, including candidates, to run ads that aren't fact-checked. Hampton says he hopes his gubernatorial run will get Facebook to stop running fake ads. This, of course, comes after former Vice President Joe Biden's campaign wrote to Facebook asking the company to remove a false ad. And finally, Amazon is tapping into bill payments by letting customers use its Amazon Pay feature for their utility bills. The new feature will allow users to get notifications through Alexa when their bills are due and to ask questions about the bill amount or how it compares with prior ones. Customers can pay online or by voice using Alexa, Amazon's voice assistant. So there you have it. Love those options. I'm Annabelle Sedano, and that was your Daily Dose of Tech News. Have a good one, guys.
Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.